Hello again, friends, and welcome to episode five of season two of My Life in Miniatures, the podcast. I'm your host, John Ashton. Uh, I come from heresyandheroes.com. Well, I wasn't born there, but that's the blog that I've been looking after for uh, getting on for 10 years, it turns out. Um, Yes, and hello, how are you? I hope you're having a lovely uh, day, evening, whatever you're doing. Um, Yeah, we're here to provide you with uh, an hour or so of hobby, chat and conversation uh, to keep you happy while you hobby, uh, or do whatever else you want to do. You don't have to do this while listen to this while you're hobbying, but um, I don't know. That's kind of what I thought it was all those many months ago when I first dreamt up the idea of this podcast. Uh, today, our guest is none other than Tyler Mengel, um, and you'll be hearing from him very shortly. I'm going to have my little pre-interview ramble. This is my want. Um, First of all, I want to say sorry for having to take a short break um, between episodes four and five. Yeah, I um, I had food poisoning, which is uh, which is always really fun, you know. Um, I don't know what did it. I think it was a pork product, but um, it usually is, which is such a shame because I'm so loyal to pork products. I, I feel I should be rewarded. And never punished, but there you go. Um, but I, I, it did enforce a short break uh, from me. But we're back now. Um, we've got other recordings to go. In fact, as I'm recording this, I've got about 56 minutes until I record the next episode. So there you go. Um, it's all a rolling onwards. Um, yeah, what have I been doing hobby-wise? Well, I've found a thing. Um, this, this is going to sound like a product placement. I promise you it's not. Uh, I'm not getting paid for this, is what I'm saying. I bought myself some uh, some they're like magnifying goggles. They're called Mighty Sight goggles, and uh, they're really good. They've got little LEDs on the side, and they do like 1.6 magnification. I just tested them out yesterday, doing some some detail stuff, and whoo, they are nice to work with. They do make me feel a bit sick when I'm not looking directly at the miniature I'm painting, but. Other than that, um, so yeah, if you're in the market for anything magnifying-wise, I mean, I don't, I've tried using magnifying things before and I didn't really get on very well with them, but these ones, they seem all right. Um, They're not helping with one of my other projects, which is um, I'm making a clay tree at the moment. Uh, I'm going old school. I've got an idea for a little, I guess you'd call it a little diorama, a little vignette, a a, a little scene. and I thought I'd go really old school hobby with it. And uh, so I've, I've twisted up some wire and I'm making a clay tree that's going to have um, bobbly sort of flock clumps uh, all over it. And uh, well, we're going to see how that goes. Um, but this is kind of, it's, it's, it's another bit of lack of focus from me. Um, I'm having this problem at the moment where I've just, I'm, I've got so many ideas. I want to do so many things. But I haven't, I haven't got that focus that's making me do something. So I'm, I'm trying to encourage some friends of mine to get going again on, like, maybe do a kill team or uh, Warcry or Underworlds or something. Just little that I can commit to creating a 5, 10, 15-man squad for something. Because um, I'm kind of... I think I've got everything that I really want for Golden Demon. I'm, if I've got time, I'll try and do another thing. But I'm not going to force it you know so um but i just i feel do you ever feel this do you ever feel where you're just like 
you haven't got a focus. You've got so many things you could do. I mean, I literally my grey tide is enormous, um, and my sort of already undercoated in chaos black tide is pretty terrifying as well. Um, but yeah, I just I don't, I don't, I don't have the focus. I don't have the the impetus to actually do something, and that's really really bloody annoying. Um, you know, I just want to get something finished. I want to be able to... Because sh- I like showing stuff off every now and again. And I kind of want to do that at the moment. And I haven't got anything that's finished. And it's just... It's taking me time. But um, we'll see. Hopefully I'll get there. Hopefully I'll have something to show off again pretty soon. Um, we had, uh, in other broader hobby news, we had a great reveal session from Games Workshop. It was it was small, but it was short and punchy. And it was quite enjoyable. Um Particularly a huge fan of the Goliath Mauler. Um, I kind of want one in real life just to drive around on, but um, I don't know if my budget will stretch that, but it, it will certainly stretch to the, the plastic version, I can promise you that. So looking forward to that. Uh, and there was cool Warcry stuff and Kill Team stuff and all the other stuff, and you know everything's good. Um and so, yeah, and someone leaked Angron. And, uh, you know, if you're going to leak grainy photos, screw you, because uh, that really sucked. Um, I mean, it's really cool that he's coming out. He looks amazing. I'm a huge fan of him. It gives me hope that there's going to be a Fulgrim one day soon. But, yeah, seriously, we, you know, it's just like you're a kid who peeks into your Christmas presents. You know, it's like, grow up. Um, that's really annoying. Um but yeah. Oh, and I painted a giant corn demon, which you can see on heresyandheroes.com right now. Uh, Games Workshop were good enough to send me Cabanda, and I did a whole little video diary blog of uh, putting him together and painting him where I almost lost the will to live. But then I got it back at the end when I saw him fully complete and finished, because he is a monster. Probably the biggest thing I've worked on that I've actually completed. So um, yeah, that was that was great. Right, that's enough of me rambling about my hobby and ho- the hobby in general. Um, we're going to welcome Tyler Mengel today. Uh, you may well know him from the Mind of Mengel series of articles on the Warhammer Community website. Uh, he is a Golden Demon winner. He is uh, a great teacher of painting, I think. Um, and you can find him all over the place. And I've got to congratulate him on this because uh, normally when I do this, it's like... <laughs> You hope that someone's all their different social medias are going to be like the same thing, and you say, "Oh, you can go to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and just search for this." Tyler has been uh, particularly impressive in that he has got a different. We've got four things I'm going to tell you to go and find Tyler on, and they're all slightly different. Uh, his website is uh, mengalminiatures.com, uh, which is M-E-N-G-E-L miniatures.com. On Twitter, he is mengalminis. On Instagram, he is Mengel underscore miniatures. And on Facebook, he is Mengel miniatures, all one word. So uh, congratulations, Tyler, on getting all four different um, and not giving me an easy time when trying to say all of that. But I do heartily recommend that you go and find him on all of those uh, places and uh, subscribe, follow, like, um, do all the stuff that uh, you can to get as much Tyler goodness in your life because he is an excellent painter, an excellent teacher. Um, and we had a great chat, uh, which I guess is probably about time we went to that chat right now. So uh, without further ado, here is me talking to Tyler Mengel about his life in miniatures. 
yeah so tyler how are you i'm doing good how's uh how's everything over in the states these days uh that's not a question worth asking at the it's, it's the same <laughs> here in fairness you know it's, yeah it's uh it's uh going you know yeah yes, in yes. a direction yeah walking and talking that's uh yes. yeah. the most we can hope for but let us now um escape from the real world and um all the fun and games that come with it to <laughs> a much better uh game uh, or series of games i suppose um, we're going to talk to you today about your life in miniatures and the miniatures that have um, shaped your life. And uh, you very kindly sent across a list uh, to me um, about things we can talk about today. Mm-hmm. Before we dive into those, I was just wondering what what got Tyler Mengel to walk into a games store for the first time, well, or, or pick up a model for the first time. What what was that? Uh, so I actually remember the very first time it was my local mall and I was, I don't know, 10 or something. And I was there with my friend and his family and we were just walking around the mall and there was a games workshop, uh, in my mall. And so we went in there and we were just walking around looking at things. I remember thinking how cool it was. And this is very early third edition, uh, or frame of reference for people, third edition, 40 K. And, uh, yeah, I just remember walking around thinking how cool it was. And I didn't get anything. Um, but then when we were leaving, I was telling my friend, like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to come back here and get some stuff. And nice. I remember him saying, no, you won't. And I said, yeah, you're right. I probably won't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I ended up, so that, that's how I found it. I just literally just randomly walked into a games workshop store. Wow. Um, everything was really cool. And then I'm pretty sure the first thing I got is uh, for my birthday that year, I asked for the third edition starter set. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, those starter sets were made great birthday and Christmas presents, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. How different the world could have been if you had not sauntered <laughs> idly into a games workshop and just thought it looked cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So um, you get that starter set and... Uh, you go, you, you're obviously drawn to the Space Marine side of things initially, as many of us were, you know, they, they are uh, a great gateway into the game. Um, but, I mean, Tyler, I just, I, I don't know where to start. You had, you know, the Blood Angels were so cool and, you know, the Black Templars were on the third edition box cover and, you know, Space Wolves are interesting and 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 you chose... <laughs> Those ultramarines, Tyler. What? That's ones. Uh, I'm fine. Well, <laughs> tell us why those third edition Space Marines of yours had to become ultramarines for you, your first models. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I remember exactly why I picked ultramarines, but I do remember so that that Games, Work, Games Workshop store in my mall, uh, the demo table they had, which had the third edition contents painted up, it was ultramarines versus Dark Eldar. So the first painted models I saw and, and played with were Ultramarines. Right. Um, and I think also, even though Black Templars are on the cover of the starter set, the cover models for all the individual units were still Ultramarines at the time. This is true, yep. Um, so I'm pretty sure that probably influenced things a lot. I don't know if maybe, you know, whoever the employee was who gave me my first painting lesson was probably showing me ultramarine stuff. I do have a memory of being taught how to edge highlight 
ultramarine armor. I don't remember if that's before or after I started painting them myself, but yeah, yeah. I also think uh, I think most of the transfers for chapter symbols were still ultramarines at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so I started painting them as ultramarines, and they became my first full army. I had you know over two thousand points of them, or uh, something around those those lines and I just really like them yeah yeah see one day I'm going to track down the person because if it was today right and Games Workshop had to decide on who are going to be the poster boys for the the Space Marines mm-hmm. there'd be focus groups there'd be discussions there'd be market research there'd be all of this I reckon all those years ago uh, just after um, probably second edition launch there's probably one studio painter just went you know what I paint really good blue let's just make it all blue and uh, yeah. that's how it's since then. Yeah, I saw something online and totally don't know if this is true or not in any way. But mm. one person was just talking about how why Ultramarines are the cover, the, the poster boys. And they mentioned because blue and yellow for people who are colorblind are still distinctly different. I see. I so see. it makes it easier to differentiate the colors. Uh but I kind of feel like that was probably more of a happy accident than someone at Games Workshop back in 1998. Yes, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're right. If it, if it was indeed the case, then that's that's a perfectly fine reason to do it. And I, I take back some of my disgruntlement with them. But um, yeah, <laughs> no, they're fine. There's nothing wrong with Ultramarines. I, I always liked Ultramarines. You know, I feel like they get a lot of hate. But the, the other thing is, is uh, so I worked at a Games Workshop store for a few years in high school. So I saw a lot of people coming in and out and then also just in general in the hobby since then, yeah. people like to hate on ultramarines, but you rarely ever actually see them on the table. So there's a lot of talk about they're overrepresented, but they're not really overrepresented in the actual community. No, this is true. So many people are, they, they get tired of seeing them on stuff, so they don't want to paint them. So I think that's part of it for me too, is yeah. it's, uh, you don't see a ton of ultramarine armies out there. That's that's a fair point, actually. Yeah, I I I understand that. Yes, that makes sense. It's uh, you don't see so many, which uh, actually makes me a bit happier. But no, they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. But you did call out um, in your that that first set of miniatures, which you built up to two thousand ish point army, I believe. I'm right in saying you yeah. called out uh, the Land Raider. Was this yeah. the old boxy Land Raider? Nope. So this was the brand. So I think it was. Uh, I think the reason. So it was like my. I think it was my second model after the starter set. And I think mm-hmm. one of the reasons why is because it was brand new. Yeah. This was when the new Land Raider, the current Land Raider. Yeah. Initially released, and it was a big push. And I'm sure someone at the store was hyping it up for me. And I mean, it was a cool model. So yeah. You know, it's um. By the time I got into, 40k. Everything was pretty much the modernish looking version, except for the Rhino and all the Rhino. Yeah, yeah. Th- those were still all the old ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about them, wasn't it? Yes, because yeah, you still would have had the old metal Predator or half metal Predator. Yeah, I remember uh, having to not for my Ultramarines for my second Space Marine army after that, having to convert my own Vindicator out right. of the new Rhino and the old metal vindicator pieces and i just kind of like bashed them together actually that might have been for the all i think for the second army i did buy the forge world 
uh, uh yeah cool version again because i didn't want yeah i didn't want the old rhino and the vindicator was the last one to get updated yeah yeah it was it was you're right wow that's it's amazing going back through your memories of that sort of time <laughs> a everything looks different but it is really hard to place how old or how new some of those kits really are but yeah it's, uh, i remember i had uh i had a, a lot of not a lot i had a couple posters 40k posters because they were handed out you know yeah. back then one of them i had uh, i don't know if i ever actually hung up on my wall but it was the like cross section of the land raider oh yeah it was like a, it was an illustration but mm. it was just showing like this is what the land raider looks inside and how all the people fit inside of it and it was for the launch of the new land raider awesome wow that's yeah see i remember when the the boxy one disappeared um in second edition and you just didn't see land raiders for ages and then there was a kit bashed version in white dwarf one day and everyone's like oh wow that's really cool and then i pretty much left the hobby after that and then when third edition rolled on and you got um yeah the what is now still the current land raider essentially um yeah that was uh well, that was a long time ago. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just having a moment where I feel old about myself. Um, but yes, anyway, let's move on. So uh, Ultramarines, your first love. Uh, some Was it more Space Marines directly after that? Uh, it kind of jumped around. So I had, um, once I got to the point where I had a full Ultramarine army, I had something I could play with. Yeah. So then after that, I kind of... I don't remember the exact order I did stuff in. Um, I remember I tried a orc army at one point because uh, I got the Speed Freaks like um, army box that came out during Armageddon. Yeah, yeah. And I think I painted like a quarter of that before that lost steam. And I never did the Dark Eldar. I I never liked the old third edition plastics for Dark Eldar. So even though I had them from the starter set, I just never, I didn't care for them. No, no. Um, I think my next full army that I actually had enough to play full games with was Chaos Space Marines. And this was with the 3.5 codex. Oh, lovely. Yes. So, you know, it was like 20 models because they're all able to kill. Like, I remember I had a unit of, uh, I think I might have done eight because I wanted to have the number eight corn berserkers. Yeah. And they could just literally run across the table and kill like five units on their own. The wow. champion had like the axe of corn or something that did some crazy stuff, and everyone hated them. They were most overpowered unit. <laughs> yeah, I seem to recall that now. Yes, that was a uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. So those those guys I painted up in my own uh, color scheme. So the ultramarines I did as ultramarines, following yeah. all the studio stuff, and then for the chaos space marines, I created my own. And they were called because uh, I was super creative at the time. They were called um, Champions of the Emperor in purple armor, like the Emperor's children. Okay. They were, they were not Slanesh related at all. They were just undivided. Um, yeah, they were undivided. I think the only marked unit I had was corn because yeah. nothing else was in plastic. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were purple with uh, black shoulder pads and gold trim. Lovely. And so, yeah, I had like 2,000 points of that. And then uh, I also did a little contingent of relictors, uh, but I did them as chaos marines instead oh, of as space cool. marines. Nice. Good. And, That's uh, interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah. And then my next, 
Yeah, the next one I did was another Space Marine Army. Yeah, nice. Well, it's, we've, we've all done many a Space Marine Army. It's fine. Um, yeah. That one was my own color scheme as well, called the Sons of Dorne. And they were black and white, but uh, kind of similar to the White Panthers, if you know oh, what their color scheme. Yeah, yeah, I know that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah so they're the Sons of Dorne, and um, they actually started off as, I was painting them as Black Dragons. Oh, cool, yeah. It's just like all black. And I painted up a whole squad of those, I think. And then I decided that this is really boring because it was they're literally the black dragons are literally just all black. They have no variation in their armor at all. Uh, so I decided I want to do something more interesting. So I didn't want to start from scratch though. So I already had this unit that was completely painted. So I came up with my own color scheme, which just added the white bits onto them. And then I painted their bolters red because that was still... Uh, it should be, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think all all the box art then still have the red bolters. Yep, yep. Uh, but the cool thing about them is, so I can't remember if I was already working at the Games Workshop store when I started this army. Yeah. Um, but they were. This was my main army while I worked there too. And Games Workshop was running a contest called the Create a Space Ring Chapter contest, and this was for the release of the fourth edition codex i think it was the first codex where you could uh actually create like uh you know take chapter attributes and stuff and make your own special yeah. rule so they had a contest to create your own space room chapter and it was you had to submit a picture of a painted model you had to tell them what attributes you took from the codex for your special rules and you had to write a little bit of backstory and you submitted it in yeah and so i entered and um, they ended up uh, featuring my, uh, so there was a white dwarf like half a year later yeah. uh, showing the contest winners. And a lot of them would, it was just like um, a little, just the picture of the model, picture of the model, name of the chapter, name of the person. Yeah. Uh, two of them got a, uh, a, a full page split between them. So it was one page for two chapters and it had the backstory and everything too. And mine, the Sons of Dorne was one of the ones picked for that. Awesome. That's nice. So I remember that being really cool. I had to have my model like sent away to the U.S. headquarters for it to get photographed. Mm. Um, but then, so they kind of picked up steam online. Like you'll find people that are like in the Sons of Dorne online and, um, I remember like people would think that it was like an official games workshop chapter. And I remember being confused. And then even just like a year or two ago, I was like looking at something about them online again. And I found out the reason why people think they're an official games workshop chapter is because with the release of the seventh or sixth edition codex, they came out with like a little supplement book. If you bought like the special super edition or whatever, that was uh, uh, successor chapters. Oh, cool. They're in there. The nice. Sons of Dorne are in there with my color scheme, slightly tweaked with the same chapter symbol, though, and the same name. Uh, yeah, so I guess they be, they did become an official Games Workshop Space Marine chapter. <laughs> That's an awesome story. That is so cool. That is, uh, well, long may their legacy last. I'm sure they've yeah. made Dorne very proud. Yeah. So we, we've jumped off track a little bit with that, but that's absolutely fine. Okay. It's a great story. Um Let's talk about one of the next miniatures uh, on your list. Um, so this is presumably a, a fair bit later, but tell me about uh, King Farak. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. 
so that's my uh my tomb king tomb king tomb king yeah uh, he's the tomb king of my tomb kings nice. um and he uh so tomb kings was an army that i always really liked um many did i remember yeah i remember when they first came out in sixth edition um because they weren't a real fully formed army before then they were just kind of mentioned they had like what mummies and yeah. that was the only unit i think yeah uh so i remember the sixth edition launch and i remember they were really cool i really liked them but i didn't really play fantasy then um so i never got into them in sixth edition and then seventh edition fantasy i didn't really particularly like so i didn't do anything with that one right. and then when eighth edition came out uh the changes that they made to the game seemed really cool and i wanted to get into fantasy again and uh tomb kings was the first second second army book that came out for eighth edition right and yeah i just i decided that all right i'm doing it uh this is a good point to jump in you know new models um so i started the tomb kings army and then I had the Tomb King on foot, but I needed a Tomb King on chariot because for me, one of the main things about Tomb Kings is chariots. They're a chariot army. I think it's really cool that they have units of chariots. Very cool. Like One of the main aesthetics for me is the chariots. They needed their leader on a chariot. And the reason I started converting Farak is for Golden Demon. Right. So I had entered into... I'm trying to think what year this was. Uh, I think I had entered into the 2012 and 2013 Golden Demons, and I'd won silver at both of those. Nice. Um, so for 2014, I was going to enter again, and I wanted to really up uh, what I was entering. And I, just, I figured, well, I'm working on Tomb King stuff. Why don't I make something really unique for Tomb Kings? Yeah. And enter it, like paint it up to a golden demon level and enter it in. And um, I think originally my idea was to do a cask of the souls, but this was Tomb Kings was the first army to launch with fine cast. Oh, like right. fine cast launched with Tomb Kings basically. Yeah. So the cask of the souls I got was just, it was not hmm. golden demon worthy no 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 it was back in the days when they were fine tuning fine cast and it still had yeah. all the bubbles and blobs and everything else in it yeah i remember so i when i bought my casket yeah, i had like the, a lot of little bubbles in it and i took pictures and i sent it to the customer support and i said can you do something about this and they sent me new pieces so like individual pieces i know sometimes when you contact support and you have something missing they just send you like a whole new kit here you go yeah. Uh, but they actually picked the pieces, I guess. Mm. And everything they kept sending me kept having the same issues. And I did it like three times. And eventually I'm like, well, this is an issue with the mold clearly and not just the model. So I gave up. Yeah. Um, and then I decided to do uh, the Tomb King for Ock. And based on Cetra, of course, because it's the best, uh, you know, Tomb King on Chariot model, best Tomb King king model period yeah yeah but i didn't want it to just be cetra uh i wanted him to look unique and then also uh i can't remember if i i think i did see someone else did a conversion similar to this which inspired me but the main 
the, the most intense portion of this conversion is the uh, creatures pulling the chariot. Right. So they are constructs, um, like uh, statues, yeah. with the other stuff in the Toon King army. And I made them out of uh, saber tusks. So they're called over yeah. saber tusks. Yeah, yeah. With uh, the heads are from the Screaming Skull catapult. So they're like the uh, part of the catapult on the front end. They have these like animal heads. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the heads. And, uh, you know, talking about the, the pitfalls of fine cast, one of the things I really liked about it is how easy it made to convert certain things. Oh, so yeah. this is all fine cast now. And uh, the saber tusks were fine cast. And I had to. Uh, cut off their heads, which was easy enough. But then I also had to file off all of the fur because they're statues. So I didn't want fur. Okay. So I had to cut all that down. And then I had to, I ended up cutting off their tails because that, I think this is fur. It's a furry tail. Right. Yeah. And then I uh, pinned the heads on in kind of the general area I want. And then there was just a lot of sculpting and I sculpted them to look similar to the war sphinx. So I looked at the war sphinx model and it has like a rib cage type design on the side. So I did that on the side of them and I did the, the cowl uh, that the war sphinx has. And that also uh, doubles as a nice way to hide the join between the head and the body. Clever. yeah, so I, I still sculpted like a little bit of a skeleton neck, but then like I didn't have to worry about like how it actually transitions into the thing because it's hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was made with plastic card with uh, putty over top. And then mm-hmm. I just used a lot of um, bits from, I think, the War Sphinx kit. Like it comes with a lot of little scarabs and stuff that are like supposed to be actual scarabs. But I used those as decoration and then uh, I gave him scorpion tails. And then for Farak himself, I uh, I didn't change him up a whole ton. Um, I remember one of the things I really wanted is I wanted him holding the reins because right. none of the Tomb King models are holding reins. But so how are they steering it? And there's a picture in the Tomb King book, I think for the Tomb King entry of a Tomb King on a chariot. And it's like looking at him and he's holding the reins and it always looked really cool. So I was basically copying that picture. Um, so I ended up using, I didn't use Cetra's arms at all. Uh, I ended up using um, the arms from the plastic Tomb King that came with the War Sphinx. Oh, cool. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, because he's uh, pointing. So I just took that arm and I like cut off the pointing finger and kind of re-sculpted the fingers a little bit, which is easy yeah. enough when it's all just bones and bandages. You don't have to <laughs> do a whole ton. That's true. Uh, and then the reins were just made out of uh, strips of plastic card. And then uh, I gave him a mask. Uh, Cause even though I really like Cetra's face, it's too tied to Cetra. So I decided to give him a death mask. Cause that's also something I think is really cool about uh, the Tomb King aesthetic. And then I also, I changed up his hat. So it's different. Cause that's another really distinct thing about Cetra yeah. changed up his hat uh, to be more of like a traditional Egyptian crown. Okay. Um, and then I was originally going to do a freehand banner on the chariot as well. And I actually made it. It was made out of Cetra's cape. And I started painting it. And I just couldn't get it to the level that I wanted it to be. Because I was doing this for Golden Demon. Right. And like, this is going to 
this free hand's not good enough. It's going to, it's going to end up costing me. Mm-hmm. So I took it off and I put um, what I ended up using, which was, I think just pieces from another tomb King something banner uh, for something a little bit more simple. Um, yeah. And I took uh, a long time painting it. So I started painting it and then we went on vacation, uh, my wife and I for a while actually. Um, and then when I was on vacation is when they announced that golden demon was canceled. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I'd already converted everything at that point and started painting it. And when I got back, I just didn't really have motivation anymore to work on it. No, that's really yeah. sad as well. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, but, um, then, uh, I ended up finishing it for crystal brush at Adepticon that year. Oh, cool. So I ended up a couple months later, uh, finishing working on it. But one of my distinct memories from converting it is I think it was when I was shaving the fur off of the saber tusks, mm-hmm. um, cut off a chunk of my finger. <laughs> uh, yes. It's a, it's a, I've had something similar. Yes. But, uh, that's, yeah. I mean, how, how great a chunk are we talking? a small chunk but it's the only time i've cut off a literal chunk like it wasn't like i cut myself it was a a piece of my finger came off (laughs) oh wow that's lovely Um, yeah so yeah the i don't think i could get stitches because it was it wasn't like a a, it was like a circle like on the tip of my finger missing yeah Yeah, so i I finished painting that and he was on a square base because it was for fantasy yeah. And then Age of Sigmar came out and um, the base was really elaborate for him. Like it had a big rock and it, which is an actual rock I used and a yeah. bunch of putty to make it. Um, so I just kind of left him on there and I wasn't using him in Age of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for uh, I think the first year for Adepticon, when I was going to play in Age of Sigmar, I decided I wanted to take Tomb Kings. Yeah. So I went there and rebased a ton of my stuff. I ended up having to rebase him, but because uh, I don't think you can see in the picture I sent you, but his base is like uh, squared off. So he's on like a, a, a rock that's sticking out of the ground. So the sides of it were just black, you know, because it's supposed to be like it cut into the earth. Um, so when I stuck it on the larger round oval, I then had to extend the sculpt out the sides and basically like make his base even bigger and added more stuff to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, really happy with how he came out though. Good. Well, it, it, it sounds like uh, obviously you put a huge amount of effort in. He does seem a little bit cursed because of both the, the cancel golden demon, yeah. obviously the ultimate fate of the tomb Kings in Asia Sigma, uh, and yeah. sudden disappearance and the finger thing as well. Which yes. is, uh, <laughs> So, I mean, I'm glad you like it because it doesn't sound like it likes you very much. Oh, it's, it's the curse of the Tomb Kings, you know? The curse of the Tomb Kings, but it's perfect. It's it's, it's on brand for them. Yeah, like, exactly. It, uh, you, you made me... I had a moment of horrible memory there when I had my only really bad hobby injury was um, I was working on some metal Death Guard bits years ago and I managed to insert my craft knife um about a centimeter into my thumb oh pulled it out blood spurted everywhere and went to the hospital and um the nurse looked and went well it's so close to your nail we can't put stitches in because there's nothing on the other side of it It'd literally gone down the side of my nail so oh. 
we just have to put like five plasters on it and wrap it up and hope it's all right and thankfully it was um but yeah so anyway that's that disgusting story and speaking of disgusting um tell me about the next miniature on your list festus the leech lord yeah uh so i had a nurgle army right. so just hit mark so it's maggot ken and um talking about another kind of cursed miniature so i took um my nurgle army to a localish uh tournament event and i did horrible i think i won one game out of five Mm -hmm. um just really bad i was trying to do all demons and they just weren't uh the rules at that time weren't favorable to an all demon nurgle army but that's what i wanted i wanted all demons that's I didn't want any immortals. Yeah. And after that, I'm like, well, I need to do something. Cause I wanted to take them again to Adepticon also. Cause immediately after I lost horribly at that event, they came out with the, um, wrath of the ever chosen book, which yeah. did have additional rules for Nurgle, which made them better. Um, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to take them again. Cause now they're better. And I want to try and win with them, but I need to do something to make them perform better on the game and festus was really good so okay. i was like oh, i'll do festus so i went out and i bought a festus model yeah and my original plan was just to paint him up just paint up the fest because it's a great sculpt i love the festus sculpt he's lovely yes yeah. for the character yeah but then i was uh looking at him next to the blight kings and like he's tiny he's yeah. very very tiny so the idea for that sculpt came from just like i want to make him look like he fits into the the normal or like he's supposed to be this hugely important character why is he so small he would be bloated with you know nurgle's gifts or whatever um and i had a unit of blight kings built and i was looking at the banner guy and i just decided that it's a good basis for the model so i just started cutting up festus uh so from festus i took his head because mm-hmm. uh, that is distinctly him and then uh, his backpack and the leech staff and um the victim that he's holding yes yes his friend yeah, yeah. and it, it all fit very well like i ended up uh using a different front piece on the um light king because there's one that has like an apron so it's kind of like festus as well so mm-hmm. i swapped that out and I remember having, I had the green stuff a little bit to make the two, the front half fit together. Um, and then uh, green stuff is neck a bit because the fit the head on there. And the good thing with Nurgle though, is it's very forgiving with sculpting because uh, it's right. just blobs basically, like differently oh, shaped yep. blobs. And then you can just kind of, you don't have to do a whole ton of effort. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh the leech staff just glued on because it's just like if you actually look at the model it's a leech holding the staff and the leech is just suctioned onto his side so it can go anywhere yeah Uh, the backpack just kind of glued on i think i sculpted like a new strap around the front to make it look like that's how it's being held on yeah and then uh for his one hand because the the original model has him pouring the potion into the victim's mouth but then the pose i chose has his other arm outstretched so i can't have him pouring it 
So I right. figured I'll have it like he's like holding it out, like he's looking at it. So I used uh, his hand with the flask. I just put that on there. But then I remember I wanted to make it more dynamic. So I ended up buying the Gene Steeler cult um, mad scientist oh, guy. Biologist. Oh, biologist. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a little familiar. is holding a flask with like the, the gas coming out. So yeah. I literally bought it just for that little bit. And I carefully cut the gas part off and it fit like pretty much perfectly in the Festus's flask. Um, and then I ended up, uh, so yeah, I bought it for that one piece, carefully cut it off. So none of the rest of the model was damaged. And then I listed it on eBay and I just made sure to say like, it's missing this one piece, but literally everything else is there. And yeah, I ended up, I, mean, I sold it for a little bit less, but yeah. then I paid for it, but it's like five bucks for a piece I needed. It's fine. Nice. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I just painted it up to match my army, kind of. Um, I changed them, uh, the color scheme a little bit to match Festus's look more. Like, he has green, greenish skin. Yeah, yeah. So I did that. Um, but I painted all the rest of it uh, the same way I paint the rest of my army. Um, I made, maybe did, like, a couple more stages of uh, highlights and stuff, but more or less the same way because I wanted him to fit in. And... And I remember uh, parts of it were left off. So like the backpack was left off when I painted it and the victim was left off. And then when I went to go glue the victim on, it didn't fit exactly right. Like where it, uh, the hand touches the arm, like it was close, yeah. but there was a gap. So I did have to sculpt after it was fully painted, sculpt a little bit on the wrist and then paint it up. But it says again, that model, the wrist is bandages. So I just sculpted another bandage. Perfect. Lesson from this model is Nurgle is very easy to convert. It's very friendly for beginning sculptors too, because you just literally need to do like uh, blobs and then you take a putty tool and you just poke holes in it <laughs> and yep. move it around. Yeah, do a few blobs for boils and things and a few bandages, which are just strips. And yeah, you're right. It is it's yeah. very forgiving. But yeah, I was very happy with how he came out. There's one of my goals for stuff like that is I want it to not look like a conversion if I can. Like I want it to look like, oh, like they came out with a new Festus model or something like that. Nice. And yeah. I've seen, um, I put together an article on how I did the conversion on my website. And I've seen at least 10 people do the same conversion to pretty much the same effect. Um, so it's really cool seeing stuff like that too. People just uh, following whatever I did and making their own version. Yeah, you've inspired some fellow disgusting festuses. So, um, yeah. Oh, so I forgot to mention the curse part of it is so I built him and painted him specifically for Adepticon that year. That yeah. year was 2020. Adepticon did not happen. No, Festus it did not. Yeah, I was supposed to go to that one as well. So yeah, yeah. I, he, he participated in one practice tournament in february like literally two weeks before everything shut down yeah and that's the only time he's seen the battlefield <laughs> oh well i mean you did a great job converting and painting him so that's that's rewarding enough and yeah thankfully we appear to at least have um covid in the rearview mirror even if it is occasionally catching up with us again but um yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, let's stick with your uh, disgusting Nurgle theme. Um, tell me about your great unclean one. Uh, so the great unclean one was sent to me 
Bad Games Workshop as uh, a piece to paint um, yeah. for promotion. Mm. So I got it, uh, I think only like two weeks before it came out. Like now that I didn't have a whole ton of time with it, but a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have a Nurgle army at this point, um, or a current Nurgle army anyway. And uh, I did one uh, test model before I painted the great and clean one. So I had some plague bearers because I did have Nurgle stuff in the past. So I had some unpainted plastic plague bearers. So I just grabbed one of those and I used that as a test. Um, I must have gotten the battle tome at the same time as the model because I remember flipping through the battle tome and I picked out a color scheme uh, in there for the befalling host. Um, it wasn't a painted example. It was just an illustration. Mm-hmm. So it's like a kind of beigey color scheme. Yeah. Um, that's right. I don't know why, but I don't like to do green for Nurgle. Yeah. Like as I've had Nurgle armies in the past, my very first one, it was death guard, but I also had demons. Yeah. And, it, and that was just, I just did the traditional, I did green, green, dry brushing, whatever, dark green, various shades of green. Yeah. Um, but then my second Nurgle army was an all demon one. The first time the codex came out for all demons and I did like a pale off white. Um, and I considered doing that again, but updating it, but I decided to do something from the book. So I did this befalling host beigey color scheme. I painted up the one plague bearer, uh, to make sure I knew what I was doing. And then the second model I did was the great and clean one painted it up in two weeks, maybe less than the time I got it done before the release of the model. And, um, had no intention of doing an Ergo army again at that point. Yeah. And then I painted this up in yeah, like such a short amount of time. And I thought like, Oh, this looks really good for how little time I spent on it. Cause it's a big chunk of it is just washes and dry brushing and different. And then it's like a little bit of uh, regular like edge highlighting at the end to kind of uh, crisp it up a little bit, yeah. but the most of it is just dry brushing. And then uh, for Adepticon that year, so this was in January or something, and I decided uh, there's a thousand point event. I'm like, well, I'm going to do a thousand points at Nurgle Demons because I can get it done that time. And yeah, I got, I already had the grid and clean one done, which is, you know, like 300 points or something. And then yeah. I got the rest of it done within like a month and a half. And now I've got like 4,000 points of painted Nurgle. For very, just more. very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. He just inspired uh, a lot more after him. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it. I mean, it also brings up another thing, which um, many of our listeners will know the name Tyler Mengel from, the Mind of Mengel articles that regularly appear on Warhammer Community. And I suppose if I had one question for you about um, that, how um, useful is it for your hobby and motivation to have that outlet as well? Because obviously you have your blog, um, you have your social media channels, but you do stuff for the Warhammer Community team. Is it, you know, when you're working on something, is it, do you ever do stuff specifically for that or are you sort of more like it's like oh i've done this thing but it would also make a great thing to have on warhammer community and does does it help you to sort of keep motivated and keep doing stuff like that um yeah so uh, as far as um like what i do for it's a bit of both um there are some things that are like 
So I have uh, painting guides up there for my night hunt stuff, which I've got, you know, like 5,000 points of in my neural stuff, which I said, yeah. so these are color schemes that like I, um, you've had some practice. Yeah. I just figured this would make a good article and I'm already doing it. I'll do this for Warhammer community. And then there were ones that, um, I do specifically for it because sometimes for me, it's a good excuse of like, well, what's the point of me painting one night goblin? Well, I can do it as a tutorial and then that gives me a reason to do it. Yeah. Um, so it's nice in that way. And then there's other times where I'm approached and asked, can you paint this for that? So it's a little bit of both, you know, so, so it's me going, do you want this as an article? And I'm already doing it. And then there's ones where it's, can you paint this for an article? Um, yeah, I think main thing is I use my own tutorials a lot. So this yeah. isn't just um, just the WarCom articles. I mean, the ones on my own website as well. But there's lots of times where I will have not painted something for that army for a year or whatever. And I come back to it and I vaguely remember how I did it. But mm-hmm. I pull up my own tutorials all, all the time when I'm painting stuff that I'm coming back to. So it's very useful as just a literal um log of how I paint stuff. Cause I know a lot of people will keep paint recipes for themselves. It's kind of the same thing for me, except I'm just publishing it out there. Yeah. Um, but I reference it all the time for myself. Okay. But then also getting to use it as to do one-off things, things that I wouldn't probably paint otherwise, because it's uh I don't want to say there's not a reason to, because there's always a reason to paint something if you want to paint something, but it gives me more motivation to do it and justification to do it. Um, so that is, yeah, useful. I'm trying to think of some of the ones that I've done. Like I did a night goblin, like I said, um, I've done uh, alternate color schemes for things like the bone reapers. I did an alternate color scheme that I probably wouldn't have done. Yeah. If, I just left to my own devices because I had my Bone Reaper color scheme that I had decided to do. But I figured, you know, paint up a single Mortec guard and uh, I can do an alternate color scheme fairly quickly and then that'll make a nice tutorial. Um, yeah, nice. So, it's, yeah, it's nice for that. Nice. Well, and speaking of um, things you've made up yourself, let's move on to um, another army which isn't, We've, I, I, what we've covered so far, we only had one undead army, which I expected more from you, but we'll see if more comes out shortly. Um, right. But this is another non-undead army. Um, the Barakmon Caradon uh, or Caradron Overlords. Uh, yeah. Tell me about these guys. And do you have a favorite model of them that you've painted? So I've only painted a little bit. Um, I've got like, I don't know how many points they're worth now. At the time, there were like 700 points worth of models. Yeah. So in the first battle tome when they first came out um they were pre-release models given to me Mm -hmm. uh, by games workshop so i got uh the arcanauts right uh, i think they're just called arcanauts the the main guys uh a frigate and a navigator right um and that's what was given to me and that's all i painted up for them Um, okay and the main reason is because it takes a long time yeah, <laughs> to paint, yeah. paint Caradron. You look at them and you think they're very small, but they have a ton of little straps and belts and gadgets all yeah. over them. Yes, they do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I decided that I was giving them uh, 
and I decided I wanted to make my own color scheme and I wanted to fit them into um, kind of at the time I was kind of building like my own little corner of the mortal realms in the form of the endless deserts, which is where my tomb Kings were. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to bring in other armies to give people that don't play tomb Kings justification if they want to use that setting. So one of them was the Karajan overlords with Barrack Moore. And I decided that uh, their whole thing is that they, um, their skyport was currently over the endless deserts and because Caradron don't believe in magic, everything's science and can be explained by science. Yeah. They were obsessed with discovering the science behind necromancy. They didn't believe that it was magic and there must be a scientific reason for mm. why this is able to happen. Yeah. So their whole thing is they would conduct experiments on the undead basically. And they would occupy those lands a lot, but what they wanted to do is not just tomb Kings, but all the undead, uh, they would, you know, like kidnap a zombie or kidnap whatever and perform experiments. Like how does this work? Figure it out and uh, try and unlock the secrets behind immortality and cheating death for themselves. So that was their obsession. And I wanted them to have kind of a darker color scheme to represent that. And I just, I love Incubi Darkness. It's a great color. Yeah. Yeah. So I use that as the main uh, color for them. Uh, So they're Incubi Darkness um, for their cloth, basically. And then they've got a tan color for their belts and then this uh, brass and metal. I think one of the other things is I wanted to paint up the metal very quickly just some something I started doing a lot with Age of Sigmar, especially when I approach armies, is I used to be a very, 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 very slow painter. Mm-hmm. Like I would have one army that would take me two years yeah. to paint a usable full army. And when I started doing Age of Sigmar stuff, I said, well, I want to be faster. I want to have playable armies on the table within a reasonable amount of time. Um, I still want it to look to up to the levels I want it to be, but I want to try and do new techniques so that's where like the nurgle color scheme with a lot of dry brushing and then a few highlights at the end to tighten it up came from and then the carajan were kind of the same thing um because they're i don't want to say 50 50 metal but they're like one third metal yeah so the metal on them was just uh, uh like lead belcher and then nolan oil wash and then i forget what gold i use because uh retributor might have been on at the time so retributor and then uh, Agrax wash or something. And then I just took Necron compound uh, and just dry brushed it all. Yeah. So I did all of that first. And then I painted all the colors around the metal. Sensible way to do it, definitely. Yeah. So I did uh, tutorials for them just on my own site. I wasn't doing anything for Warcom yet um, at that point. So I did tutorials for them and they've just kind of taken off. Uh, I've seen... Which is fitting of the 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 Caradron overlords that they took off because you know, <laughs> up in yeah. the air, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. But I've seen like uh, people posting like not just one or two models, like they did their whole Caradron army in this color scheme, nice. uh, and it's the one I've seen the most of. I guess besides maybe my Night Hunt one, but it's, my Night Hunt color scheme is not entirely unique. It's very generic ghost. Um, so seeing the Caradron scheme is really cool. And also really cool because I really like that scheme. I've always wanted to do more. 
like I said, they take a long time to paint. So I just haven't. So I'm kind of living vicariously through these other people that have done complete armies in this color scheme. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, so getting to see like, Oh, so that's what that unit would look like if I had painted it. And uh, yeah. And then also, so I did that when Caradron came out and then like a year later is when the legions of Nagash book came out. And in the timeline section, there was a little snippet with uh, Barrett Moore which I didn't know was going to happen. Like I got the book and I'm flipping through it and I'm reading it and I see Barrick. I think they get complete, like in the little snippet, it was like, uh, they're in Shayesh, Shayesh, uh, and their forget this particular one gets ambushed by a bunch of terror guys and destroyed, but I was still like, Oh, that's so cool. They're in there. And nice. the way I spelled it. So I'm assuming that it's supposed yeah, to be the one. Yeah, yeah, you got there first, definitely. Um, and because, and this is another thing because um, you, I think people because of uh, not only your output on your social media um, channels, um, but also the Mind of Mengel articles as well. I think people would very much think of you as a painter, um, which you are, of course. But, and I mean this with as the greatest compliment, you are a proper law nerd as well, especially when it comes to creating your own, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. What's, um, what is the thrill from that? Why do you enjoy doing that so much? Because you do do it a lot. And I think if people read your blog, they'd see that you do it a lot more than probably people think you do. Yeah. I, I, I like, um, so I've always approached the game, I guess, from a narrative side. Like yeah. for me, even when I'm playing like match play games, I mean, to an extent anyway, I like to think of what would this army do? What would make sense? Like I, the, my least favorite type of games are the ones where it feels like I'm playing a game, you yeah. know, where yeah. something happens and I'm like, well, there's no justification for that except for the gaming reason for it to happen. And it just feels weird. I mean, I know it's going to happen every now and then in the game, I guess the games where that happens like 90% of the time, and this doesn't feel like a simulation, like, yeah. which is what I want it to feel like. I want it to feel like I'm, this is the armies fighting each other. Um, so I've always been into the lore. Uh, I started in 40K. Then when Age of Sigmar came out, um, you know, I jumped right into that. And uh, one of the things I really like about Age of Sigmar is it was such a, a blank slate. Yeah. Yeah, and there was... Yeah, there's so much room to do whatever you wanted, uh, especially in the early days when there was literally very little written and you just had tons of room to kind of make up your own stuff. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really cool. And then it really catapulted off with the Tomb Kings because uh, they got dropped pretty early on. Yeah. And I had actually started writing some backstory for my tomb kings in particular prior to that so there is like a six month window where age of sigmar launched tomb kings were supported and still sold yeah and they were dropped like six months later yeah um, so i had started doing some stuff before then and then once they were dropped i was upset but also i thought well now i can do whatever i want and i know that i'll never be contradicted mm. by official games workshop lore that's true. That's a nice silver lining, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of where I, I did the whole Tomb Kings battle tome for them because I wanted them to have 
something. Yeah. I, rules wise, I wrote some of my own stuff, but I used a lot of the official Games Workshop stuff so people could use it without feeling like they were just making stuff up. Yeah. But I also wanted to write a bunch of backstory, and that became the Endless Deserts, which then fit in stuff like the Caradron um, and whatever. And then I've got, uh, so I've kind of moved away from the Endless Deserts on a lot of stuff, but I'm still, yeah, like uh, uh, the Befalling Host. Um, I was very, conscious about kind of their background lore, which is they're the gardeners. So I've got four Naromas in my army and I've got Articulus because it's his host kind of, and uh, just kind of following the lore as much as I can. And then, yeah, creating my own little snippets where I can, it's just all, um, I like stories and I like creating stories and I like reading stories. So if I can incorporate that into my hobby wherever possible, that's what I like to do. Nice. Well, it's a very good thing to do. And it, it definitely, I think makes things more interesting and more readable and, uh, and more enjoyable. And uh, yes, definitely do it. Now um, I'm conscious we're uh, running short of your valuable time. Um, and we've not even really touched upon your what I consider to be your greatest obsession. I know you're fond of Nurgle and um, and Ultramarines as well, but I mean, tell me about your your love for the undead, especially in Age of Sigma, and uh, maybe spend a bit of time talking about your Lord Necromancer as well. So it's funny because uh, prior to Age of Sigma, when I started, it was Tomb Kings. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where my undead obsession started for uh, fantasy is tomb kings yeah. i did not like vampire counts at all right okay uh, not because i didn't like their aesthetic but i did not like their lore i did not like sylvania it felt too generic yeah dracula like it just felt very cheesy to me and it didn't feel like it had any room to really like do anything unique yeah um, I didn't like the idea that the vampires were the ones in charge of everything. And it's just not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And then with age of Sigmar, they got rid of vampire accounts and undead got um, kind of like broken down into its individual components. And to me, that opened up a lot of possibilities because it was no longer like, Oh, this, you know, the Dracula vampire with his undead thralls. Instead it was, you have, an entire empire of uh, skeletons over here and you yeah. have an entire empire of ghosts and night hunt over here. And then you can have like a whole necromancer empire. And it was all about Nagash and like, it just felt way more unique and a ton more room to grow. It just opened up a lot of uh, ideas for me. Like, so like I said, lore is very important. And even though I liked a lot of the models in vampire accounts, I just couldn't get behind them because I just didn't mm -hmm. like the story. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so I started, uh, beyond team Kings. The first thing I started doing was night hunt. And that started because, uh, Adepticon, I was going to that year, uh, had a, another thousand point event. So this was pre Nurgle and I wanted to do something quick. Um, cause I had a small amount of time. I didn't want to spend a ton of time on it either. So I did a couple test models. I did an iron jaw, I did a Skaven and I did a night hunt. Right. And I was just testing out different quick color schemes. And I decided that um, the night hunt was the fastest one to look good. 
So the first model I painted was a Karen Wraith because it was like $15. So it's really cheap to pick up as a test model. Uh, and uh, this was pre them getting uh, expanded into their own army. So my choices were like Spirit Host, Hex Wraiths, Morn Goals, and then the Karen Wraith and Banshee. So that's the whole army. Right. So I ended up painting like 12 Spirit Hosts <laughs> and uh, some Hex Wraiths and Morn Goals and uh got it done in time and then uh i was like well this is really quick to paint so then i did uh another thousand points expanded up to a full army to play in the proper event the next year and then uh immediately after that event like that summer is when uh, age of sigmar 2 came out with the full expansion for night haunt so then yeah i went into painted all of that so like I said, I've got like crazy amount of night hunt models painted now. Um, and part of uh, painting night hunt, especially with the spirit host, they've got like skeletons on their base. They do. Uh, that they're coming out of, yeah. So again, I wanted something quick. So I just playing around with quick ways to paint the skeletons. And I came up with one. I'm like, well, this is really quick. I think I'm going to paint some skeletons now. So then I got some skeletons and started doing a Legions of Nagash army. Yeah. Kind of fizzled out for a bit. But then um, then Bone Reapers came out, and I really like a lot of the Bone Reapers. So especially Catacros. So painted him up, painted up um, some of the guard as well. Uh, that kind of fizzled out, but I've got a ton. Uh, I even just got the Christmas box of them. So oh, at yeah. some point, yeah, I'll... I'll come back to them and do them proper. Um, but then when soul blight, uh, grave Lords came out, um, I decided I wanted to do something with them. So I, like, I already had 30 skeletons painted. Uh, I had a corpse cart painted cause I did it as part of my Legion of grief army when they had that for night hunt. Yep. Yep. Um, I had like a necromancer, a few, few things, and I didn't really know what direction I wanted to go in with Soul Blight. So, like I said previously, I wasn't a huge fan of vampire counts and vampires in general. Yeah. Um, but I did kind of like their new direction they went with them, uh, both aesthetically and background. Yeah. So I considered that. Um, I was originally going to do like a Legion of Blood army with Neferata and a bunch of skeletons uh, and some uh, Blood Knights and stuff. And then. Uh, I got some of the new zombies and I was just looking at those and I'm like, no, these are awesome. <laughs> um, yep. so I decided that what I wanted to do, uh, again, because I can't help myself with creating my own take on things is I wanted to do a necromancer slash dead Walker zombie themed army. Like it was all just going to be necromancers and zombies and zombie related things. Yeah. Um, so it basically meant zombies, dire wolves, uh, corpse carts, mortis engines, uh, and necromancers um, as much as I could. And then there's also all the cursed city stuff as well. So there's the uh, Gorslav, the gravekeeper, and then uh, the night guard kosagi night guard yeah undead zombie ogres and uh so i started doing that 
started painting up the zombies first and then um the aos3 came out with the cruel boys stuff yeah so i got sent the um dominion box and i was looking at the shaman and i'm like this is a really cool model i want to do something with it but i don't know if i really want to do cruel boys and i was looking at it more i'm like i think i can convert this into a necromancer nice so um and it was also i wanted to do something so it, it got sent to me so when stuff gets sent to me uh there's not always like a uh requirement to do something with it but i wanted to do something so yeah. i had something to show off um but like i said i wasn't too sure i wanted to do cruel boys i painted some of the storm casts but i wanted to do something else too so i converted up started converting this model into a necromancer um and it was kind of i didn't have a huge plan going into it like it, he's pouring the stuff which is uh and it's like he's pouring it out of uh, I think it's a bowl, but I painted like a skull cap and he's got a giant skull. So he's already got kind of like, and he's got the ragged robes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's got a lot of the, the death looking stuff already. And I had uh, just a bunch of bits left over from various things. So like the face, uh, I cut out the orc face and then the face is just one of the spare heads from the corpse cart because you get three different faces with the corpse cart. So I used one of those faces and then I decided to make uh, the staff into a scythe to reinforce the death theme some more. So the scythe head is from like a hex wraith, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah. And I just had to like sculpt the, it was pinned on and I just had to sculpt like a wood texture around the pin to extend the staff up, Yeah, um, which wasn't that hard. Again, it's the more textured something is, the easier it is to replicate it usually or rep- replicate it enough that then, um, so a, a little uh, hack cheat, I guess, that I use sometimes is there's lots of times where I'm sculpting something and I don't get it to exactly the level I want. Mm-hmm. I get it close enough and then I can hide it with my painting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So as long as the sculpting is close enough to what I want, if I paint it crisply enough, it looks much crisper than it really is yeah Uh, so i do that a lot with sculpting things so like that staff um i was just thinking of more ways to to make this model more death and less orc yeah so uh the candles were um pieces of uh this plastic tube Mm -hmm. um cut to this the shape and then um sculpted the melting wax against blobs so it's fairly easy yeah Uh, but i I think the thing i'm actually most proud of on that model is the crow on top of the scythe Mm -hmm. um so i decided that i wanted him to have i think i think i decided i wanted a crow early on and i had like um there's a crow that comes with like the mausoleum kit like the graveyard like but it's just it's just like a crow crow and i tried that one I think it was too big or something at first, but then I also thought, well, why would he have a crow? He's a necromancer. Everything would be a zombie. So there's a crow on the Glaive Wraith, uh, Night Haunt Glaive Wraith Stalker kit. Oh, right. Yes. On like um, Grave Stone and it's a crow, but it's got a skull head. So I'm like, that's perfect. Mm. So originally I was just going to stick that on the base, but it just didn't really fit with the flow of the model. 
Um, so what I ended up doing is I decided I was going to stick it on top of the scythe and I had to cut off the head and cut off one of the wings because it's, it was sculpted kind of like the wings are splayed out, but it wouldn't make sense that way. So I had to cut off the head and cut off the wing and reposition them and then sculpt the feathers and stuff back on and, uh, perch him on the scythe too and hope he doesn't break off of that <laughs> oh, cool. um, yeah and then the, the last thing i added i think was uh the zombie cat from curse city just give him more zombie animals lovely yeah but yeah i was really happy with how he came out well he came out very nicely yes and uh, thank you for running us through your history of the undead uh although we're not quite done actually on that um because we're now going to talk about something very quickly that you're working on uh at the moment um we've already covered ultramarines with the fact that you're doing some horus heresy ultramarines i'm sure they'll be fantastic and stuff but we don't need to talk anymore about ultramarines tell me about forest dragon minis and their their uh, again undead uh what yeah. are you doing with those Yes, so Forest Dragon uh, Minis is, um, they do 3D sculpts, uh, so it's, uh, well, 3D prints. So there's sculpts that you can get the STLs for and print them um, and then paint them up. So I I actually don't have a 3D printer myself, so I'm relying on friends and stuff who do. But uh, I forget how I came across these originally. Uh, I don't think I actually even came across uh, Forest Dragon stuff originally. I follow uh, Warplock Miniatures. Okay. Uh, he's a, a they're a smaller company out of the UK, and they just do some really characterful sculpts. And uh, I have one of his. I painted up a troll, a forest troll. Um, so, so I follow him on Instagram. He started doing some ten mil. I think that's the scale, ten millimeter, uh, like undead pirates. And I'm like, oh, these are sweet. And I started like googling stuff, and then I came across Forest Dragon, and he has. And the entire range of essentially vampire counts mm-hmm. in War Master scale sculpted up. And he has it even more than that. He has uh, Wood Elves with a Forest Dragon, which I think is where his, the name came from. One would imagine, yeah. He's got High Elves, he's got Dark Elves. He's doing Lizard Men right now, uh, Chaos. Uh, and I'd never done War Master before. Uh, I never even played it. It was around when. I was in the hobby earlier, but it wasn't very big. And yeah. even like when I worked at the games workshop store, I don't think it was carried in store anymore at that point. Yeah. Um, I think like we had like three boxes of stuff and it was just things that never sold. So that's why we had it. Oh, wow. um, but I, don't know, I just decided like, you know, these are, they're so cool looking and they'd be very quick to paint up. Yep. Um, and actually originally I wanted to do tomb Kings cause it's a good excuse to do tomb Kings again, but there okay. isn't, yeah, there's not a full line of Tomb Kings out there yet. Even from any sculptor, um, there's like bits and pieces, but there is not the full thing. So I figured I'll just try um, some of the generic undead stuff. Yeah. And I painted up some skeletons. And yeah, they're super fast to paint up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like a unit of skeletons is three bases and each base is two strips of models and each strip is six skeletons. I could paint up a base, so one third of a unit in an evening. Nice. Start to finish. Yep, yep. Takes like two hours. <laughs> uh, and it was just really nice how quickly it was done. Yeah. And I, just, uh, I did it all with uh, washes. 
So it's just like I sprayed them white and then the bone is just a sepia wash and then a quick dry brush and then tidy up the other colors with white again. And then there's a purple wash for the purple and uh, black for the black and then uh, base coat the metal, wash it, quick dry brush on the spear tips. And then that was it basically. Nice. Um, and it looks pretty good, I think, for the scale. And yes, I've got two full units of skeletons done now and a little uh, tester of zombies and some ghosts as well. And I've got a bunch more coming my way. And uh, it's just um, really fun. It's something that you can do quick too, like uh, between projects. So there's lots of times where I'm doing a longer project and I, you know, you run the risk of getting burnt out painting the same thing a bunch for a long time. Yeah, that's true. It's just, yeah, nice. I can be like, well, I'll do a unit of skeletons. It'll take me a day and a half and then I can go on to something else. Okay. Um, so I haven't played any games with them yet. I, I plan on trying it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to do the whole collection and I'm theming them. I'm trying to make them look like my undead for age of Sigmar. So it's the same colors, similar basing. Yeah. Um, I have plans to convert up in the gash, uh, for the army. So I'm going to use, um, some bone reaper bits and some, uh, arc on the black bits and kind of make it in the gash. Cause it mm. should be roughly the same, the right size for 10 mil. If I use a 28 mm. mil model. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, first time painting 3D prints. There's no mold lines. It's nice. That's cool. That's very nice. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's good. I'm glad you found a nice little um, intermezzo for your other projects there. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's lovely to hear. Now, um, Tyler, I have two questions that I ask all of my guests who appear on My Life in Miniatures. Um, my first question is. What's your favorite paint? Uh, probably Ink You by Darkness. Nice. I accidentally end up using it in a lot of my color schemes. Not intentional. I'll just be like, oh, I need a color for this. What works? Ink You by Darkness. Good. Yeah, it's good to know. It's nice to have a, a yeah, sort of a skeleton key paint, you know, the one that you yeah. and everything and be like, yeah, it looks good now. Yeah. I've still got uh, half a can of the spray paint of it. I'm I'm holding on to I uh one of my friends owned a game shop for a while and he he doesn't anymore but like when he was closing down I basically I'm like I'll buy all of your incubi darkness spray paint please thank you so I had a stockpile that I'm almost gone through now oh dear oh well hopefully they'll another one will come out similar at some point um um the second question I ask everyone if you could paint any miniature in the world yet, it can be one that exists only in your imagination, one that is rumored to be coming out, one that you that already exists. What's the next thing you'd really like to paint? A new version of Cetra done in the style that Games Workshop does now. I think it could be a ridiculously looking awesome model. Yeah. Um, I would just love, or really any newly re-envisioned Tomb King Mm -hmm. uh, I'm eagerly waiting every time they do a Blood Bowl announcement for like the Kemri team because I know that's probably the next place we will see Tomb Kings is Blood Bowl. Probably, yeah. I just I want to see what they would do with the uh, the new styles and technologies, and I just think like looking at Catacros and how awesome he is, and I mean they're Tomb King adjacent. I just imagining what they could do with proper Tomb Kings would be well. Amazing. 
you never know. We're as we're recording this, it's on. We just had a Warhammer preview today, and yeah. uh, there is a legion there dedicated to Hashat, which we haven't really yes. heard of in the mainstream for a very long time. So, you never know. Cetra might come out again one day. Fingers yeah. crossed. One oh. quick question, as an aside. Were you a massive fan of horror movies over the last sort of 10 years? Like The Mummy, Frankenstein, you know? Um, so not horror movies per se, but The Mummy, the 1999 Mummy movie is, yeah, probably my favorite movie of all time. It is a very good movie. Yes, it's a fantastic movie. Um, well, good. I'm glad I'm glad we've, we've established that. Um, Tyler, thank you so much. I know we've run a little bit long, um, but thank you so, so much for doing this. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And um, wish I wish you well with all of your projects, including your Horus Heresy Ultramarines, which people can see as you do them on your social media and, and your blog, I'm sure. So um, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Cheers. And there you have it, folks. Uh, thank you very, very much to Tyler for coming on. Uh, just a reminder for all of you, if you would like to go and find some of Tyler's stuff, you can go to his blog, which is mengelminiatures.com. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at mengelminis, uh, Instagram mengel underscore miniatures, and Facebook mengelminiatures. Um, and he is worth following on everything. He is so knowledgeable. Uh, he is great at teaching. He's uh, he's just an all-round nice, lovely person, um, which is why we had him on My Life in Miniatures today. Uh, I like rewarding people who are lovely with a, a slot on on this uh, podcast. Um, and we we ran long, um, and uh, thank you to Tyler for being a good sport and allowing us to run long. Uh, so you guys get another bumper episode. You know, I, I tend to aim for an hour, and I know we're over an hour and 20 right now. So I'll keep my goodbye brief. Um, expect to see another one of these podcasts go up uh, next week. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to like, subscribe, or do any of that stuff to any of my podcasts because I lost a bunch of followers after that one. Um, <laughs> and apparently it makes me look needy if I ask for that. So I'm not going to ask for it. I'm just going to remind you that the option is out there to uh, bookmark and follow this podcast. But I'm not going to ask for it. Definitely not. Um, so there you go. Thanks to Tyler again. Uh, I hope you've had a fun time listening to us. I hope you've got some nice hobby done. I hope you've had some fun time with your paints, uh, or doing whatever it is you've been doing. Um, and we look forward to speaking to you. Well, not, I'll, I'll be speaking, you know, to you. Uh, I'll be speaking at you, I guess, or me and a guest will be speaking to each other and then I'll speak at you before and after. You know what? I'm rambling again. So I should just say, have a wonderful week in the hobby. Uh, enjoy yourself thoroughly and um, yeah until next time on My Life in Miniatures see you later <laughs>